Welcome sleuths, suspects, and witnesses. This is day five of the case of the missing manuscript. This is a deep-seated mystery that we may never solve. We'll have to wait till the end of the month to find out. This is our nightly schedule. We will be in the Zoom room every night from 7 to 8 p.m. And uh, except Valentine's Day, because we all have far better things to do than play this silliness on Valentine's Day. Um, tonight, we have three authors reading. And just to warn everybody in the room, because we have an extra reader tonight, our interrogation session will be shorter. So I hope you guys took notes and wrote down questions so that we can run through that a little bit faster tonight. Tonight, our authors are A. Karina Spears, Mark M. Bello, and Donna Newman. And we have a wide variety of readings tonight. It's going to be super, super fun. We're going to have a really good time. So welcome, everybody, to the mayhem of the Zoom room. Yay! OK, um, we are going to start tonight with A. Karina Spears. She is going to be reading from her book, Phantom Song. Do you have a copy of it nearby, Karina? so that you can show it to us right up there. There it is. There it is, Phantom Song. See, there you go. Okay, um, turn on your microphone and when you're ready, please read aloud. Chapter seven, readying the wings. Once we got back to the keeper offices, I said farewell to the upbeat Sphinx console member. She definitely wasn't what I expected. Then again, having never met a Sphinx before, I really didn't know what to expect. Calling Sean, I waited by the front doors for a blue jeep to appear. The heat rising off the pavement created a wavering in the air, as if I could almost see this bale spell lying over it. That was nonsense, of course, and our vehicle showed up much sooner than even my musings expected. Tucking away the fanciful thoughts, I saw Sean waving to me and joined him. Deirdre, I did manage to find a grocery store. That was right near the grade school. Well, that will be convenient. My lab is actually one block, block over from it, too. I guess I could grab the kids and get groceries after work, depending on the hours. Uh-uh. They'll not be stealing my job. I'll take care of the kids and the groceries, and then get to me to work with, too, I suppose. You take care of us, and we'll be right as rain, Sean joked. But then his smile faded as he added, about that. We need to decide if we're going to have the kids finish out the school year here or not. Do we need to do this right now? I asked, perplexed. Looking at me, he, his face deadpan, he put the car in park and said, yes, we do. The click of the key surprised me. Sean turned off the engine. Taking a deep breath, he continued, there's precious little time that we were alone to talk. You plan on running off with my sister in nearly three days from now. That leaves me minding them both and trying to unpack everything. Alone. I felt a twinge of guilt at that. There's only a week or two of left of classes here. We won't give them in so late. Then we get picked on. I don't want them to have a negative view of their new school by only going through the hard part of integrating with no time to settle in and make friends. Sean rubbed his chin, the ticking of the cooling engine loud in the intervening breaths. Be that as it may, we want to get the kids introduced and acclimated to the supernatural community here, doing it under the supervision of the teachers and whatever staff they have at the school may be the safest way. We can meet the other parents, let them know these are our kids, and maybe learn something about theirs. We might even get to hear about any hazards we should know about along the way. He rested his hands loosely atop the steering wheel, staring off into the distance. While I considered matters, I really couldn't refute his logic. Sean would be the one watching them both while I sought the information that would secure our stay. Much as I wished I could be there to see the kids through this move, I couldn't. I had to leave it in Sean's hands. I agree, I said at last. Very good then. Don't you look all worried now, Deirdre. I'll take good care of them. You'll see. Just take care of yourself and my sister, Sean said, turning the engine over. The old jeep roared to life as if the seaside town agreed with it more than the mountaineer we were used to. Maybe I just need to get Pirish for more time to work some enchantment on me as well. Driving home took only minutes, unlike the commute to town we took back in Steamboat Springs. Maybe Sean was adapting better than I was, and yet I glanced at him. His accent sounded stronger while we talked. That usually meant he was worried, or trying to charm me. Could be either. Slipping up beside him, I gave his hand a quick squeeze before we went into the house. 
He flashed a brief smile at me as we stepped in to see what Fiona and the kids were up to. Inside, things were chaotic, but Fiona had made them into an ordered chaos. Who can find the box with the towels in it? She asked. Both kids said, me, me, as they went sprinting off into the living room. Oh, hi, Fiona said with a wave. I started getting some of the house sorted for you while you're out. Figured we'd need a few things ready if my brother here wants to cook dinner tonight. Indeed, the dish rack sat neatly set up and already full of freshly washed plates, glasses, and silverware. Sean's face lit up. I thank you kindly, sis. I did not expect you to do more than watch the kids. She waved his words away and came over and gave him a hug. Consider it a housewarming gift. I'll help you unpack while I'm here before your wife and I go off on holiday. With this, she turned and embraced me as well. Well, I appreciated her warmth. I corrected her. It's not a holiday. Ah, close enough. It's not every day you get to see France, is it? Close enough, Deirdre. You got to enjoy the bright side of life. I can't wait to separate the easy from the hard and the good from the bad. It's all mixed together. You have to admire each part you're in with the lessons that are in it. Waiting for the good part to start is the short road to madness. I didn't care for the jab, but simply checked on the children to ensure they weren't tackling boxes too heavy for them to move or getting into the breakables. Olaf found the dish towels first and was hoisting them aloft with a giggle of triumph to her brother's groan of defeat. Oh, well done, both of you. Go ahead and see... Oh, sorry. Well done, both of you. Go ahead and see if your dad needs help bringing in the groceries. I'll take it from here. More groans greeted me for breaking up their game, but I wanted to assess things before they wound up too disordered. Surprisingly, Fiona had a couple of lamps set up on our set of end tables. Did she intend to read or go through more boxes? They'd help either way. The wall of boxes still stood high, but there were definite dents in it from her efforts with the children. I felt a, I let the wave of gratitude spread out for me. You're welcome, Deirdre, Fiona called from the kitchen. Ah, what wonders have you brought me, young barn? She said, making Orla giggle. Fiona seemed to be able to work, make a game out of anything. I looked down at the pile of picture frames in the box before me. Perhaps I should be making more memories with them. Most of the groceries were sorted by the time I entered the kitchen. The kids handed bags to Fiona, who separated the contents according to what was going to tonight's meal and what needed to go in the refrigerator. Sean took the items to the sink for the meal to wash them as Fiona shut the, finished and shut the fridge. She knew how we kept things well enough that I wasn't needed at all. A pang ran through me as I thought not to crack the frames I was holding into kindling. Why should I feel like an outsider in our new home? The kids were near, so I clamped down hard and tried to grind my emotions to dust before they could escape me. Mommy, are you okay? Orla asked me, eyes solemn again and thoughtful after laughing at Fiona only minutes before. The link between us as both banshees and mother and daughter let her sense my emotions much easier than I meant for her to sometimes. What's up, Deirdre? Sean echoed, aware that Orla could read me faster than even he could. Trying in a deep breath, I looked around at all of them and said, Sean, can I help you cook dinner tonight? He cocked his head in surprise at my request, but like, certainly, dear. We'll be even luckier if we both work on it. Luckier? Looking at the spread, I realized you planned to make corned beef and cabbage like you usually did for New Year's. Do we need so much luck? I asked him. He looked at the children and back at me. Do you think we don't? I figured I should shut back to our roots as we set down new ones. Besides, making a traditional offering to the fame might have more meaning in this place. Staring back with the deadpan look, I said, why? Because you can drop it off on their doorstep here? I probably need to look up what quarter they're in if staying in it, so I got a laugh out of them. If I felt left out before, suddenly I found myself swept up into the swing of things with the rest of them. Fiona dug out the cutting boards she had discovered earlier. Sean handed me a cabbage head and a butcher knife, which, while well, he used the Alaskan moon blade and its scoop cutting board for the onions. Don't you want me to do the onions as well, I asked, surprised. Nah, as a banshee, I figured you had shed more tears often enough. It's only right that your husband should shed some so you don't have to. Such a small thing, <laughs> silly in a way. Yet my heart, sur heart surged because Sean meant it. Every day he tried to lift my burdens in a hundred small ways. I hid my smile and let the curtain of my hair hide the tears that threatened to join lest I ruin his gallant effort. They were happy ones, at least, and while they brimmed for a moment, they didn't fall. I'd keep them in my heart as diamonds of our love. Slicing the leaves into long strips took little time for me. Pausing to watch Sean lift Orla so she could throw the corned beef spices into the pot caused Fiona to claim my efforts and add them in as well. A quick look around located the pepper grinder. I got it to hand off to Finnegan to decide how much to add to the pot. And that's time. That's Thank fine. you very much. You're welcome. Thank Welcome into the room, Miss Amy. So glad you were here. Okay.
<laughs> Next, we are going to hear from Mark M. Bellow. He is going to read one of his most recent books. Mark publishes so frequently, I have a hard time keeping up. His most recent that he'll be reading from today is The Final Steps. So, Mark, please turn on your microphone, and when you are ready, read aloud. Testing, testing. Uh, we got you. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Are you you uh, you want to see a cover? Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's, there it is. A little more center. Wait, going that way. There you go. The Final the, Steps by Mark M. Bellow. This is a cozy legal mystery with a new uh, cast of characters. Oh, uh, fabulous. Not, not my usual stuff. So oh, I, had, I, had fun, I had fun with this. That's a, even better. Even better. Uh, okay, when you are ready, please read aloud. I am ready. Ro Rosalind's thoughts return from the earlier events of the day to Tyler's current, very tragic and scary circumstances. How did things change so quickly? A man died on campus. Rosalind and Tyler walked side by side, inching over to the building. The yellow crime scene tape impeded their path to the staircase. Security was guarding the premises, keeping onlookers from entering. Tyler, however, was the school's president and the guards lifted the tape. He and Rosalind ducked under and through, but were not permitted to approach the body. He must have fallen, Rosalind surmised, sickened by the sight of blood dripping down the staircase, pooling on the floor. Not exactly, Tyler responded. According to the detectives on the scene, the way his body is positioned, they believe he was standing with his back to the stairs. That would mean he was pushed, his head cracked against the cement, causing his death. So he, they believe this was intentional? Rosalind whispered. Yes, Tyler nodded. That seems to be the case. Rosalind once handled such cases as an attorney. She also presided over several as a judge, but it had been a while and she, was, and she never expected to be involved in a murder case post-retirement. They always left her with nightmares and headaches, the details lingering in her mind long after the cases were concluded. She was retired and wanted no part of a murder or murder investigation. She'd left that life behind. However, the legal and judicial juices began to flow, and she couldn't resist the temptation to evaluate the scene. Analytically, as a criminal defense lawyer, cop, or trained sleuth might. The stairwell looked typical, aside from the pooled blood. Those scraps of paper still fluttered about, the piece of chipped fingernail, and that suspicious item, the pen. Is that your pen, Tyler? Rosalind gestured toward a pen lying in the blood pool near the body. She faced Tyler and saw only guilt. His face contorted and he shifted uncomfortably. Rosalind felt like reading him his rights. It was his pen. And she didn't wish to hear his answer. I think so, he waffled. At least it, it looks like mine. It's difficult to tell at this distance with all that blood. But Rosalind was positive it was Tyler's pen. The unusual shade of blue that she spent so much time choosing, determined to buy the perfect gift for her friend. She purchased it during a particularly rough time in his life. It had to be unique, perfect, and it was. She'd never seen another quite like it. A pen wouldn't fix what ailed him at the time, but she wanted it to serve as a constant reminder that he had a caring friend out there, someone to count on when he felt isolated. Now, it might stand as something else, an ominous sign of something too terrible to consider. It's yours, she insisted, irritated and suspicious that he would try to deny it. I can see quite clearly that it's yours. Perhaps it fell out of my pocket earlier today, maybe this morning when I headed for your lecture. But you had it while we were talking, she reminded him. She wanted to let this go. She dreaded the obvious conclusion. She wondered why she pressed the issue. Tyler was incapable of doing the unspeakable. Her mind flickered back to Tyler and Kevin's interaction. Was there something she missed? Or was it so obvious that it was haunting? The tension between them was palpable, more so for Tyler. Yes, 
he said slowly. I suppose I did. I must have dropped it after the lecture. What are you driving at, Roslyn? I'm not sure I like the tone or the look on your face right now. Rosalind agreed. She didn't like the way she was feeling either. She didn't like asking these questions or being suspicious of them. Yet she couldn't turn away from the obvious just because it made her uncomfortable. After all, it might be crucial evidence in the criminal inquiry. Your pen, Tyler, she concluded, sits smack dab in the middle of a crime scene right near the body. On top of that, you obviously had issues with the man. You clearly didn't like him much. Tyler was visibly horrified by what Rosalind was suggesting. So was Rosalind. But her legal training and acumen would not permit her to ignore the obvious. What are you insinuating, Tyler grumbled. Eyebrows raised, arms crossed over his chest. I'm not insinuating anything, Rosalind insisted. I'm just curious. Why is it sitting there? I didn't harm Kevin, Rosalind, Tyler retorted with a straight face. I can only come to the unfortunate conclusion that I dropped the pen at the very spot where the crime occurred, or worse, someone placed it there. His eyes steeled a genuine expression that caused Rosalind to believe his words. Tyler was typically an honest man. I'm not capable of killing someone, even a man I didn't like. You know better, I'm not. He lowered his voice to a whisper. I'm not a murderer. I know, Tyler, Rosalind conceded. I just, I, I'm sorry, she relented. I know you had nothing to do with it. The finer details of a crime have always been my thing. I'm prone to look for clues. I was just reacting to what I saw. I understand your point, Tyler admitted, and why you have questions. He paused, looking incredibly weary, like the weight of the world was hanging over him. I, I, I can't explain why my pen is here. Did I hear you correctly, sir? That is your pen? A detective overheard Rosalind and Tyler's conversation. He confronted Tyler. Rosalind and Tyler exchanged an uneasy glance. They were so focused on their own exchange that they ignored the possibility that others were near enough to overhear their words. Rosalind felt guilty for bringing the whole thing to light. She convinced herself it wouldn't matter. Surely Tyler had a perfectly rational explanation for the presence of the pen, or perhaps he had a solid alibi. Either way, he was innocent. Tyler cleared his throat. Yes, it is, Tyler admitted. From this distance, it appears to be my pen. The detective eyeballed him with suspicion. It's been found at the scene. It's evidence. Obviously, we can't return it to you at this time. I completely understand, Tyler assented. Makes total sense. Keep it for as long as you need. A few questions, sir, the detective continued. You're Tyler Guthrie, right? President of the school? Yes, Tyler advised. I'm Detective Reamer. I'm the lead detective on this case. I suspect this won't be the last time we talk. May I ask, how did your pen land in the middle of the murder scene? Well done. Yay! Awesome. Thank you so much. You're That's so welcome. That's going to be fun to read that new cast of characters. I'm looking forward to that. Andrew, go ahead. Just real quick before I know that we're about to go on and we're on a tight time schedule, but Mark, <laughs> could you for a second uh, slap the link where this can be found? I've just it, searched it, it, all it over. Can't be, it can't be found yet. This, this is the world premiere. Well, that's why I can't find it anywhere. You will see You will see that it, it, is, it, is, it has that proof thing on it. Yep. Yeah. When, this is, when, an, this, this is when, an author's proof. It's, when one does copy. the book? When does the book go live, Mark? Uh, April or May. I, we haven't decided yet. Okay. okay. Awesome. Wonderful. Uh, um, when You'll it be among goes, the first to know. When it goes live, post it to our Facebook. Absolutely. Group. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. So our third reader tonight is Donna Newman. She's going to be reading from her children's book. I don't celebrate anything. Donna, can you please uh, turn on your microphone and show us the cover of the book a little bit closer so we can see? I like that. Oh kid's no, it attitude. disappeared. Like you gotta hold attitude. it right in front of your face. There you go. There it is. I like Perfect. that kid's attitude. I don't celebrate. Well, anything. she gets made fun of a lot, so you'd be a little snarky too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Donna, All right. when you are ready, please take the microphone and read aloud. It was the last day of school before winter break. 
Annie couldn't wait for the day to end, even though it was just beginning. On the bus to school, Maggie asked Annie, guess what? Last night we decorated our Christmas tree. Did you get your tree yet? No, Annie said. No, but it's almost Christmas. I know, Annie said, but my family doesn't put up a Christmas tree. Maggie's eyes grew wide. How can you celebrate Christmas without a Christmas tree? We don't celebrate Christmas, Annie said. That's where I thought everyone celebrated Christmas. Annie looked out the window, hoping the day would end quickly. But when the bus arrived at school, Annie pushed her way off and ran inside before Maggie could ask her any more questions about Christmas. When she got to her cubby, CJ was eating something from his backpack. What are you eating? Guilt, CJ said, I got it last night for Hanukkah. It was the first time I got to light the menorah. Mom said I was finally big enough and pretty cool. What did you get for Hanukkah? Nothing, Annie mumbled. Annie put her stuff away and walked into the classroom. Christina waved at Annie to come sit by her. How do you spell mascara, she asked. I'm writing my letter to Santa and want to ask for some glitter mascara and lipstick. I don't know. Sound it out, Annie barked, putting her books down. Did you write your letter yet? Christina asked. No, Annie said firmly. Why not? She was confused by Annie's bad mood. I don't get gifts from Santa. You don't get gifts from Santa? No, I don't get presents. Really? No presents? That's weird. I thought everyone got presents. Maybe you need to be nicer and then you would get presents. Annie opened her book and tried to ignore Christina. She really could not wait for the end of the day. At lunch, Annie didn't want to sit with anyone. She was tired of questions about presents and why she didn't get any. Campbell didn't notice Annie's bad mood. As he sat across from her, he was humming jingle bells. I love Christmas songs, Campbell said. Don't you? Annie just ignored him. Do you know what you want from Santa? Annie just kept on eating her lunch. Are you okay? Campbell asked. I'm fine. I don't listen to Christmas music and I don't get presents from Santa. Really? But do you? And I don't get presents for Hanukkah either. And she got up and left the cafeteria. Annie was hoping for outdoor recess so she could find a spot away from her friends, but it was beginning to rain, which meant recess was inside. She looked around the room and saw Michael playing with blocks. He didn't usually talk to Annie, so she figured he'd be good to play with. Can I play with you, she asked. Michael looked up and smiled. Sure, please don't ask me any questions, Annie thought as she sat down. But as soon as he hit the floor, Michael leaned over and whispered to her, why don't you get presents? Annie sighed. I don't celebrate holidays, she said in her best calm in her voice, but she might have said it louder than she thought because now everyone was looking at her. Christopher called out, do you celebrate Kwanzaa? My neighbors celebrate Kwanzaa and they invented, invited our family over for a feast and it was awesome. Sorry, my thing is going crazy. No, I don't celebrate anything. The room got quiet and everyone started whispering to one another. Annie's cheeks got redder than a beat and she heard what they were saying. She doesn't celebrate anything, no presents. Her family is weird. She wanted to cry and scream at the same time. For the rest of the day, Annie tried her best to ignore the excitement of her classmates as they talked about holidays, but she couldn't help wonder if maybe they were right. Maybe her family was weird. And I'm gonna stop there. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. Would you please hold up the cover one more time for us? And uh, there was a question in the chat about um, what style book this is. This is a picture book for what age group do you? Um, I teach kindergarten. I've read it to my kindergartners. Awesome. So, so yeah, but independent reading, probably second grade level. Perfect. And again, this is I don't celebrate anything. And there are some of the pictures. The illustrator did a really good job. Sorry, you yeah. can't really see them in the background yeah. with my background on. <laughs> we can go hunt them down, though. That'll be fun. Thank you so much, all three of our readers tonight. Um, I, I love hearing people read stories aloud to me. I really, really enjoy it. So um, thank you again, everybody, for coming out tonight. Now, it is that time of the evening once again. The mystery of the missing manuscript. That sardonic text is missing. Who took it? 
and why. We have eight suspects. Chloe Holiday, a mysterious character. Ruby Fink, a psychic. Melinda Falgo, who is a researcher, but not in the room this evening. Two <laughs> nights in a row, we're not sure what's going on with her. Andrew Smith is an historical author. Amy Kelso is the head librarian. Marianne Wheeland is the cafe manager that is right next door to the library. Jules Nelson is the library director and Deborah Reed is our intrepid reporter. For those of you who have not yet um, visited one of our interrogation sessions, now is your chance to step away from that two-sided window and ask your questions of our suspects directly. So when you are ready, Feel free to take the floor. We've only got 10 minutes tonight because we had more readers than usual. So make your questions direct and pointed. Julie, go. I have a question for Deborah. Deborah, when you were, uh, you know, working near Chloe, did you notice any of her behaviors being a little shifty or anything? She doesn't talk much. So I feel like she's just kind of like drifting behind the scenes. Hmm. Yeah, no, she was totally acting weird because she kept acting like she was working on the computer, but there was literally nothing really, Christopher. Isn't that a bit extreme? <laughs> anyway, back to Chloe, because yes, she is quite the shifty character and she didn't have anything on her screen, even though she was pretending to work. Then she left for a while and she came back and she didn't have anything with her, but she acted really frustrated and kind of upset. But, you know, when I asked her about it, she just didn't say anything. Mm. Mm. The plot yep. thickens. Yep. I have Gary, a quick question. Go ahead, Gary, go ahead. Oh, I, have a, I have a question for Julie. Do you know how much uh, the book was valued at that is missing? Well, it was one of a kind and it was handwritten. So I pretty much think there's not really a value on it. Just be, it would be very valuable to a collector. So the, I'm so the wondering... amount of the gift, the amount of the gift that uh, Belinda gave you, would that be equal to the book? No. No, the sizable donation that she gave is just, it's about the same as what one of our other generous donations would come in at, something that would just help us keep our library running. It was not big enough that it would be, would pay for a book. The bribe you mean. Yeah. I regret not listening to Amy about it because I feel like we might still have the book now if I had listened to her. Yes, maybe you should have. (laughs) not my turn but <clears throat> so I did try to warn you <laughs> okay. uh, any, any, any other questions i'm sorry you have to like wave at me emma go ahead yes this is for the head librarian uh what is the no, penalty for the culprit if that person ever gets caught what, are you going to press charges or mm, what are you going to do with this person? <laughs> well, for one, they're definitely going to be banned from the library forever, right? So you're going to stick with me this time on I that, am, right? I am okay. sticking with you on this one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, other than that, I mean, I that would be up to Jules to decide if they press charges because it is she's in charge. But I would definitely make sure she, that whoever that was, she or he, Whatever was not allowed back in the library, for sure. That much I would be sure. I would certainly think a lifetime ban would be in order for a theft, after all. Right. Right. Or donation. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I suppose everything is open for negotiation, right, Julie? (laughs) 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 All right. Um... Any other questions out there? Angela, go ahead. Chloe, so Julie says you were pretending to work. What were you actually trying to do then? Why were you there? Well, um, well, like I said the other day, 
um, I go to the library when I travel so that I can do some work um, away from my host. You know, some of them live where their internet is limited or um, or that sort of thing. Um, and so that's that's what I was doing there, or, or trying to anyway. I, I have to say, um, well, you know, I've, I've kept kind of quiet because I consider this local matter and I'm you know, it's kind of entertaining, frankly, but but I'm a traveler, you know, I'm new to this library and all of you. Um, but um, it was hard to work that day because Ms. Reporter was taking screenshots of everything um, all the time. And, you know, I'm, I'm working on my next novel and I'm not um, terribly paranoid, but I just, you know, every time I, I started, I felt like I had to kind of close out and go to something less personal than my work in progress or my emails or those sorts of things so yeah, i did not see anything like that chloe <laughs> well so, so there seems to be some discrepancy about who was doing what when mm -hmm. here's an interesting thing though that gary brought up he asked about the value of the book i'm wondering since Andrew is an antiquities dealer, mm. would he know the value of the book? That's a good question, Andrew. Well, I think that this book would probably be priceless. And I, I haven't had a chance to review it at this point, but if I were to review it, I could give you a better, a better idea of what it would cost. While I was in the library, I was trying to sell my book, The Way of the Antiquities. And as I walked around, every time I tried to see that book, that book was just, it, it seemed to be attached to that that Melinda girl. It, it just seemed always <laughs> to be attached to her. So uh, I'd, I'd love to see it so that I could I could come up with a, an adequate cost for you, or at least a reasonable one or, or, or something that we could we could take on. And maybe, maybe Miss Nelson's library could get another floor if they sold that book. Might be <laughs> something awesome. Was it, Dana, was it worth, was it worth more than a hundred dollars, Andrew? It was it, it. This book would have been priceless. It would have been wor worth well into the five and six figures. Because that makes it a felony. Uh, that <laughs> I think it's past the felony. <laughs> Dana, you had a question. Go ahead. Um, yeah, and, and forgive me if you guys have already asked this question. I haven't had a chance to read all the or watch the other ones. But MT and um, Ruby Fink, how did you guys meet exactly? Ruby. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> Hello. Uh, well, how did you meet with Melinda? How did you two come to be in the library at the same time? Oh, well, uh, we were both uh, looking at the book and Melinda wanted to check something. And then I believe she suggested that we go to coffee. And so she put the book back and we went to coffee. And when we came back, the book was gone. Amy, go ahead. I actually don't have a question. Uh, Mackenzie in the chat does. So I'm going to ask her question and answer it because she's asking me. Uh, <laughs> it asked Ms. Kelso, were you at the front desk during the time the theft may have taken place? Which is a good question. I was actually not at the front desk at the time. I was, to be honest, I was searching for the book because there's something I haven't explained yet, but that Melinda person would often, when she came in, she would take the book, take it to the computers to work on it, and then she would reshelf it herself in the wrong place all the time. Oh. She was constantly like, like she was trying to play hide and seek with me or something. Like I wouldn't know. She would put it in different places. So I was searching all over the library, trying to figure out where in the heck she had hidden it. And then uh, I believe it, but that was about the time when Jules, Miss Nelson came up to me and asked me where the book was. And okay, Andrew, Andrew, your question. So, so what I'm hearing right now is that this book could just be lost. We have searched everywhere though, at this point. I, I doubt it. Okay, Mark McCraw, go ahead. So I have a question. Did well, somebody has answered the, the one Amy was talking about because I had that question as well where you were <laughs> at. Um, Andrew, um, is it where you happen to uh, get on the computer to find out how much the value of the book was? 
I did not get on the computer to find out how much that book was. I was I was wanting to evaluate. There are a lot of things you have to consider with books: the the the, the amount of wear and tear on it, the if the if it has been marked up, if some terrible person has creased all the pages and treated it badly, and if some reporter has made a mess out of it. Like like rare like rarebooksauction.com maybe. <laughs> Angela, go ahead. Ruby, you said you were with yes. Melinda when she reshelved the book. Yes. Was it in the same spot that she took it from? Or is there something that happened there? Uh, on stack? Do you I, know, I know where I do you put know? it back on the shelf? I didn't really pay attention to um, Which what shelf? shelf it was on. I, I don't understand the Dewey Decimal System. She put it back on the shelf. We went to coffee, I'm afraid. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> But you might want to check with her on why it's valuable with her when she gets back. And that's all I can say on that subject. Okay, we are done with questions for tonight. Our interrogation session is over for this evening. If I can turn this thing off. <laughs> okay, um, so I hope you all took notes. I hope you all were very careful in listening to the clues that our suspects left for you this evening. If you missed any of them, you can always go back to watch the replays. The links are posted on our Facebook page, on our website, and on my podcast page as well, if you prefer audio only. Who did it? <laughs> Be ready to sling your accusations at the end of the month. Remember, we we are doing this for a full 27 days, so we have lots more to learn um, from our interrogation sessions. And just in case anybody didn't notice, Marianne was uncharacteristically quiet tonight. <laughs> Usually our cafe manager has a lot more to say than she did this evening. Just, Very true. Just putting it out there. Okay. What's going on, Marianne? Oh, we can't ask tonight. Come back tomorrow. <laughs> so, Next week. <laughs> tune, in, tune in tomorrow. So our scavenger Same bat hunt. time. Same bat channel. That's right. Um, our scavenger hunt. Um, thank you very much to our riddle master, Jacob Bullen. I could not have done this part of our game without him. Um, I'm not great at riddles and he is extraordinary. So uh, every day go into our website, a new door is open. Be aware that they do not open in order from top to bottom, left to right. You have to hunt around for them. However, when you do open them, make sure you scroll up to the top of the page to see the, the, uh, the new window that opens. Um, if you're at the bottom of the page, you'll have to scroll up to see the window to get the clues. Okay. Next, let's talk about this. Um, Emma Palova, you did it. 29, 29 <laughs> points, 29 points with uh, your fingerprints last night. And as you can see, we are slowly moving around our dead body. The author who reaches the dead body heart first with 100 points will win that really snazzy trophy that uh, Christopher was holding up earlier. <laughs> here, here is where we are in our standings. Emma has 29, Andrew has 27, Marianne has 25, Chloe has 25, and Amy has 23. Keep Andrew is the middle finger again. <laughs> <laughs> this is for you, Christopher. <laughs> uh, so far, we've had 121 witnesses in the Zoom room. So keep those people coming in, tell everybody you know, and ask them to tell everybody you know. Um, the more we share this wonderment and lunacy, the more people learn about our books. And that's kind of the goal of all this. It's time for the nightly loot. Yes, we are going to do the spinny wheel of happiness. This is Emma's favorite part of the night. It is. Um, we are giving away three books this evening, um, Phantom Song by Karina Spears, and 
Karina, could you please just give me the full title? Because I know Phantom Song is not the it's full the title. Yes. Say again? It's a keen mind, a keen mind and a phantom song, because we're dealing with a researcher who's a banshee, so she has a keen mind and she does keening and a phantom Ooh, song because that's what she's pursuing. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Mark Bello, The Final Steps. His book will be coming out this spring. Watch for that to be uh, posted on our Facebook page when it comes out. And Donna Newman's I Don't Celebrate Anything. And I got to tell you guys, the pictures in that book are really stunning. If you get an opportunity to look it up, please do. It's the illustrations are fantastic. Okay. While I am doing the final um, setup of the spinny wheel, we have uh, another question steps. tonight because we have an overwhelming number of authors in the room. I would like the authors to respond to this question. Again, this is lightning round, so that means quick while I do my thing. What comes first, plot or character? Donna, you go first. Plot. Okay, Marianne, plot or character? Um, it depends on if I'm just starting a new book, the plot would be first. If I'm writing uh, in a series, the characters probably. Okay, Katie. It it depends. I've had I've had both. Um, I've had some where I'm like, this is a girl and she has a lazy eye and she sees double. So what does that do for her? And then others where this is the story and I need somebody to take that adventure. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Chloe, what about you? Plot or character? Plot usually, but um, sometimes uh, when I write for a certain prompt, like with the boys series, it's the, the character. Okay, Ruby. Depends on the situation. It can be either plot or character. Okay. Christopher. I'm going to say both, they go hand in hand with me whenever I write. Okay. Dana. I would love to say plot because I feel like it would be normally, but the, but the two books I've just written, I, I feel like they're very character driven and it's character. Okay. Uh, Emma, what about you? Character. Character. Okay. Um, Diana. I know you're not a writer. You're working on being a writer. We're trying to convert you. As a reader, do you like to read books that are focused more on plot or character? I like a good plot with a good character. <laughs> okay. Perfect. See, she's so wonderful. She reads all of us and she's fabulous. Is she a law student? <laughs> I am not. Deborah. I'm an engineer. Deborah, Deborah Reed. Um, usually plot, especially if it's with young adult, um, especially with the short horror stories I write, though a lot of times character comes first because there is someone I have met or talked with someone about, and I just think that they deserve a story. Not awesome. always with a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're we're all gonna collaborate on a book about Andrew. That'll be fun. Okay. <laughs> Mark, okay. I have all Mark, Mark Bello. Well, I would answer it the way Marianne and Deborah did. I, I this for the series, I, I a lot of characters already exist, so it's the plot. For the new book, it was it was very much who am I going to introduce and and but I also had the plot uh, already in my mind about the, you know, it had nothing to do with Idaho. It was, it was coincidental that I had a mur murder on campus, uh, which okay. I thought was unfortunate. Actually, <laughs> it looked okay. like a shameless. It looked like a shameless deal, mm -hmm. but it, but um, but I had the plot in mind, and and the question was, is it going to be a Blake novel or is it going to be some new character? And I decided to new character. So awesome. I don't know Very if that cool. answers your question. We're all really excited about reading it too. We love new Thank books. Jen yeah. Rinaldi. I'm a right-brained artist, so it's always uh, riding by the seat of my pants and it's always the characters. Okay, Angela. I have to say, I start with a kernel, the base idea for the plot, and then I create the characters and then fill it out. 
most okay. of the time. So the characters sort of come in very soon, but I I find I have the, you know, is it going to be a starship going through space facing fuel issues or something? That part comes in and then the characters. Okay. Andrew. I'm a weirdo. Uh, characters come first, which create the plot and the plot develops the characters further. So they're tied together very tightly. I, I write in a similar way. Gary. Mostly, I would say character is uh, I look at it and there's got to be something about people that fascinate me and I want to dig deeper into it. Very cool. Julie. <laughs> um, I pretty much start with characters first because uh, usually I want to tell somebody's story. So I develop a character of who I want them to be. And then um, and then I do pull from like ideas that I have from like a story plotline book. So, I mean, I guess simultaneously, like to me, plotlines are separate than characters. And then at some point they mesh. Okay. Jennifer Reigns. Um, I was going to say, could I say theme um, and then characters? Okay. Uh, okay. an idea rather than a whole plot okay um, thing I want to say and then characters that match it and then plot <laughs> works for me uh, Mark McCraw uh, I would say characters because a lot of my books are based on my children and grandchildren's experiences so a uh, character okay Amy um, I am a character person all the way although part of that is kind of cheating because all my characters so far at least are somehow based on me. So I was like, okay, what kind of a situation am I going to write about myself now? <laughs> okay. Based on, you know, but semi autobiographical fiction. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Um, Star and Mackenzie, uh, you both have your microphones off, but if you could tell us in the chat if you prefer character or plot driven novels, we would love to hear from you. Okay, here we go. We are going to do. The spinning wheel of happiness. All right, I'm gonna share my screen, and just for giggles, I'm gonna make sure that my oh, don't do that. I almost turned it off, you guys. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna double check that the sound is sounding. There it is. Okay, here we go. We are gonna spin the wheel three times. The first one is for Karina Spears Phantom Song. Then we're going to do the final steps for Mark Bellow. And then we're going to do I don't celebrate anything. I love being that petulant child. It's so much fun. Um, from Donna Newman. And here we go. Spin number one. Congratulations, Jennifer. You got a book. Can you imagine all the way in Australia? Okay. Um, next one is from Mark Bellows' book. Here we go. I just can't believe it. Congratulations. Look, it's it landed on Christopher. Jeez, I really heard it wrong. Christopher. <laughs> okay, uh, Christopher, because this book hasn't released yet, um, Mark will be sending you another copy of something mysterious. Um, okay, and Donna Newman's book is our third spin. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that, that's that's actually quite a, a great thing because Andrew has a grandson. So there we go. Congratulations to all of our spectacularly amazing winners this evening. Thank you to all of our spectacular authors for coming and sharing your work and for everybody who asked and answered questions in our interrogation today. Thank you as well. Tomorrow's interrogation will be a little bit longer because we only have two readers tomorrow. Before we go, real quick, you got like 15 seconds each. Um, anybody want to say anything else before we leave the room? Anybody? Thank you for coming Gary. tonight. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I, I just would say that I really like the uh, interactive part of this. Uh, I really mm -hmm. feel that 
because uh, I did one other one here and there's a lot more interaction and you actually get to know people a little bit. Yep. Yeah, yep. we will be we will be moving this direction as we do festivals in the for in, in the future because it is fun. Um, Andrew, I would really like you to give us a quick pitch for Michigan Reads if you could. Oh, well, that's what I was going to say. You feel my thunder. Jeez. Uh, so if you are an author and in inside of Michigan, and even if you're not inside of Michigan, there are things to consider uh, not being announced yet. Uh, take a moment and go to Michigan Reads, go to the About page, and there is a link inside of the About page that'll take you to a new announcement for authors. Inside that announcement, we'll give a little overview of the status that is going on right now. Michigan Reads is a site that I will be offering for independent authors at a very, very low cost. I am really tired of people uh, absolutely destroying others uh, for the sake of trying to make money off of uh, uh, people. Uh, this has been a really uh, fun journey so far, and Ingar and several others have been on there. I can't really say if they've got sales, but I can say I have been on two calls where it's been called out to me that they have seen Michigan Reads on the state, on billboards, and on other media where I have been advertising it, trying to compile enough numbers so I can prove that there is either value or there isn't. At bare minimum, it is a site that you can post your book at, that you will have an easy place to say to people that uh, that you can get to my book quickly on Michigan Reads. Uh, and uh, by going to that site, uh, there are several books there already. I will be introducing a number of new authors over the next month uh, and uh, trying to help everybody forward. Everybody as an independent author, if, if you think that your book is the most important thing in the world, You've got to remember that I read a 260-page book the day before yesterday in less than three hours, and your book is done, and there are other books to read out there. There are people who are reading a lot of books all the time. Why not bring everybody together? So I am trying to help everybody advertise. I know there'll be some books that won't be perfect for this, but it'll work out as a positive for all of us. Awesome. Thank you, Andrew. That is, again, michiganreads.com. Go check out the site. Learn more about the amazing work Andrew is doing. Um, the best way for us to promote our own work is to promote each other. That's what this whole festival is, is purposed to do. And Chloe, so, hang around yes. after the recording's off. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, thank you everybody for coming. I really super appreciate your time and your fun. And I hope you'll come back again tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern US time. Um, and and we're just gonna continue doing this until you know the end of the month. So come on back, we're gonna have a good time. Thank I you everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Don't come back now here. <laughs> <laughs>